on. <laughs> this is one of those weekends where you know you're going to have a whole bunch of folks at the lake and out. But you know what? We are thrilled you guys are here today. It's wonderful to be with you in the presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, would you stand with me, please, just for a couple more seconds? And we want to look together today to the text found in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Pastor Haley did an amazing job a couple of weeks ago taking us on the boat ride with Jesus. Last Sunday, Pastor Jeremy did an awesome job really updating us into what's been going on in the youth ministry and their great time at AYC, Axis Youth Conference. And so this morning, it's my privilege to and pleasure to be with you and to jump back into the Gospel of Mark. In Mark, we've been talking about the Gospel. The Gospel is the history-making, life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. So without any further ado this morning, find one of the screens, and it's a little bit of a lengthy passage. I'm not going to ask you to read it out loud with me, but just look along with me as we read this text together found in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be chained, couldn't be tied down. He had been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains, snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. When he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed in worship before him. Then he bellowed in protest, What business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. Jesus had just commanded the tormenting evil spirit, Out! Get out of the man! Jesus asked him, Tell me your name. He replied, My name is Mob. I'm a rioting mob. Now, you're probably familiar with this. If you've been grown up in church, you've heard legion. Now, this is the, the message, and it really kind of puts it in a little bit more up-to-date language. A legion, literally, in the Roman culture, was a garrison uh, of several thousand soldiers. So when we look at this, this mob literally is a great picture or depiction. This man is being controlled by a mob of demons. I'm a rioting mob, he said. Then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish them from the country. A large herd of pigs was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. Jesus gave the order, but it was even worse for the pigs than for the man. Crazed, they stampeded over a cliff into the sea and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in town and country. Everyone wanted to see what had happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense. Another translation says, in his right mind. Everybody say those words with me. In his right mind. How many are thankful you woke up in your right mind this morning? How many of you wonder about the person next to you whether they did or not? <laughs> I'm thankful. Everybody's dressed. You're, in, you're making sense. You're in your right mind. So this guy didn't normally do that, but they see him and he's no longer a walking madhouse of a man, the scripture says. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. At first, they were in awe, and then they were upset, upset over the drowned pigs. They demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but he wouldn't let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the ten towns, 
You'll see it in other translations, Decapolis. Deca meaning ten, polis meaning cities. It's in the ten cities. Decapolis, the ten town region area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. And so as we jump into this this morning, let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. God, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. Thank you, Jesus, that these words are the historical account of what you did. Thank you that we have the privilege today of being your children, Father, your sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus, that literally you sacrificed and gave your life for us so that we could have that kind of a relationship. We just acknowledge before you this morning that apart from you we're nothing, but we thank you that we're not apart from you, that you live and dwell in us and have your being. Move today by the power of the Holy Spirit in this service and do what no man can do. I acknowledge that. You're the only teacher. Open our ears to hear, our eyes to see. Give us perception and understanding, I pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Just so really, really excited to be with you today and to open up this another section of the Gospel of Mark. Mark, as you know, is the eyewitness account of the Apostle Peter as told to the author of the book, a young man by the name of John Mark, who was a disciple of Peter the Apostle. And so we've been moving through this book and learning about the kingdom of God. Jesus came declaring that the kingdom is no longer an out-in-the-future event, but it's right here and now. Repent. Change your mind about it. Believe the good news that the kingdom is at hand. It's available. It's within your reach. It's within your grasp. Okay? And so everywhere Jesus went, He was healing, He was teaching, He was preaching, setting people free. This is the demonstration of the gospel. The gospel is the life-changing, history-making good news of Jesus Christ. Just a little quick review in those few words to remind you that religion particularly gives us advice. But gospel literally means news. It's news about something that has happened. Religion advises us about what we should do, but the gospel is news that has already taken place. It's something that has already been done. It is the good news. It is the gospel of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished and finished. Everybody say finished. Finished on the cross for us. Now, we've just come out of uh, this, the context Pastor Haley shared with us two weeks ago, Jesus took the disciples on a boat ride. He's asleep in the stern and a wind whips up. I've been on the Sea of Galilee and just because of the way the geographical placement between a couple of hilly areas, there are winds that are blowing through that region on a very consistent basis and thunderstorms are frequent almost on a daily basis somewhere over the Sea of Galilee. There is one major body of water in Israel, there is this one major river, which is referred to as the Jordan. Then everything else is the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, So when we're talking about these different sections, and it'll talk about in some of the Gospels, it'll mention Lake Gennesaret. That's not another lake. That's just a section of the Sea of Galilee up in the Gennesaret region. Okay, And so we have this one big body of water that's pretty centrally located in this little bitty tiny small nation of Israel. And Jesus has just brought the disciples on a trip across the Sea of Galilee. And this is what has just happened. He has just gotten out of the boat. He has just calmed the storm. And He has demonstrated to them His power over nature. Jesus Christ involved with 
the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at the time of creation. Jesus is the Logos. He is the spoken word of God. He was involved in speaking creation into existence. So this one who is now walking among us, man, God in the same person, Emmanuel, God with us, God with flesh on, is now demonstrating that he was the one who was before the foundation of the world speaking and calling it into being because nature obeys his word. His disciples were literally flabbergasted. And I want you to think about this with me. They've just come from some great teaching. They've heard all the parables of the kingdom of God, the mustard seed, the soils, the lamp on a stand. You don't hide it under a bushel. Uh, the, The growing seed itself, the farmer who doesn't even know how it happens, but he rises night and day, he just gets up and boom, there it is, the the, the shoot and then the stalk and then the full corn in the ear. And he he sees all these things. They've heard this great teaching of Jesus. They've experienced it. They've had their faith challenged by coming through a storm and seeing Jesus speak to the storm. And as soon as they get out of the boat and barely have time to catch their breath, out of this crazy region where a cemetery is comes this madman. Now, how many of you feel like that sometimes in your life you no sooner get past one storm that another one of a crazy variety arises? This is what's going on. And and, and sometimes I wonder, though I have to back up and tell myself, wait a minute, Jesus never did have to go, I, I don't think Jesus ever lacked in... Uh, a reserve of power. He demonstrated for us what a life of a relationship with the Father was like, of prayer, of fasting, of seeking the face of the Lord. And I I believe he was always in touch, in tune, tuned in, turned on, frequency on the channel. I believe he was hearing the Father. I believe he was energized. I believe there were moments when he physically got tired. And when I read this, I wondered, Jesus, do you ever feel like I do that as soon as I clean up one mess, one storm, that another one hits, and, and, and I'm not going to take your time or, 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 or go into the details of what I've been facing the last couple of weeks, but it's just literally been a hurricane that spun off several tornadoes. You know, you, you see that happen sometimes on the news when you see weather reports and, 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 a, and, a, and a cold front meets a warm front, and then all of a sudden this great low depression comes up, and then boom, you've got this swirling hurricane and a, a tropical storm that emerges, and then off of that tropical storm, other storms, tornadoes spin off of that thing. And I think that literally this is what's going on in the life of these disciples. They no sooner get calmed down, make it across to the other side, the storm is past. The storm is over now. What was that R. Kelly song? And I'm thinking about that. And then boom, and they're just like <sighs> catching their breath. And then boom, here comes this crazy lunatic nut out of the cemetery. Now, now that, that's just spooky enough as it is anyway. Uh, you know, you know I, I, I just want to say to you that the last 40, 50, 60 years, Hollywood has had a fascination with the dark with the demonic, with the macabre, with the, the death-saturated. It, it, it always concerns me when I see someone that is just, just really into that whole death culture because I, I, I think that is, that is exactly opposite of what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about light and life and, and strength and joy and the kingdom of darkness is about death and destruction and sorrow and and, and, and grief that becomes bondage and bitterness that becomes a root that destroys you from the inside out. And, and, I, and I think about this scenario 
And I think about how Hollywood has been possessed with this just obsession of, of the darkness uh, of the exorcist and all the way, way, way back. I'm going to date myself. Rosemary's baby and Damien and, the, and, and all of these evil seed that are being supposedly produced and the rise of the Antichrist from the Hollywood version side. And it always seems that anytime there's the presence of evil, that there rarely is anybody who has the ability to stand up the power or the authority. And there's a difference between the two. The power or the authority to be able to speak to that and bring that mess down. And they always characterize the one who tries as some little mamsy-pamsy, milk-toast, panty-waist, Roman Catholic priest who has no power to pray the wings up off of a gnat. And he's struggling and he's thrown all over the room. And, and I always want to go, man, why don't, why don't they bring in a, 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 a Jesus, a, a Christ figure, a Superman kind of a guy that can say, in the name of Jesus, and set that mess down. And shut that mess up. Because that's exactly what happened in this story that takes place here. We no longer get out of one storm until we see many times that there are other different kinds of storms that are rising around us. And I believe those are opportunities to really check our hearts, see where our focus is. Darkness unchecked only produces death and destruction. This guy had continued to be possessed more and more and more and more by a mob of demons. Greek word daimon, which means intelligent one or knowing one. I believe that the kingdom of darkness operates on a vast system of reconnaissance. And it is demons that know their rank and that are reporting the news of what they're observing in various regions. I don't want to spook you this morning in any kind of way, but Ephesians chapter 6 talks about principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places being over cities and geographical locations. I believe that there is literally in this area, in the delta, there is a spirit of apathy. There is an indifference. There is a mediocrity. There is a prejudice that grips us in every kind of way. It is racial, it's socioeconomic, it is denominational. If you aren't a certain variety of Christian, then you're an outcast here in this particular region. And all of those things are, I believe, create the predominant or the prevailing mentality of a region. And we have to stand up in the face of those things. We have to pull those down. We have to pull down those strongholds. Those strongholds literally are are prevailing, I I believe, demonic spirits that have created a kind of a sense of the way an area feels. It's the vibe that you get when you cross the bridge. You cross the bridge that way and it feels differently. Do you guys think I'm crazy or do you know what I'm talking about? You cross the bridge and you feel differently on that side of the river and they have their own host of demonic influence over there. Okay? You, you, you drive up to Marion, it feels a little bit different. You drive over to Wynn, it feels different. There's a, and, and, and maybe you just think I'm just this super sensitive kind of superstitious person. I'm not at all. I'm just sensitive to the whole realm of the spirit. There is a very real realm out there. When we're talking about a realm, I'm just talking about here in the air where entities are trying to gain influence and control over people's lives. This man had finally lost every slap bit of control that he had had He became possessed by this mob of demons. Darkness unchecked only produces death and destruction. This is the modus operandi 
of Satan. This is his MO. This is what he does. Satan will ultimately take complete control and cause you to lose all self-control. They couldn't tie him up. He broke out of the chains. He broke out of every bond. Now let me just say to you, I truly believe that there are people that are under this degree of influence. We typically don't see them today. They're incarcerated and more than likely probably on death row. These kinds of people that are demonized to this level, I believe are those that have been involved in serial killings, in multiple serial rapes and kidnappings and all kinds of evil that has motivated the thinking of these men or women that are in those situations. Is there help for them? Absolutely. It's in Jesus Christ. I, without freaking you out, want to tell you that I have been involved in the past in deliverance ministry and seen times literally when a 125-pound woman took six men, almost two at every appendage, every arm, holding her down because there was a strength that was on her that was beyond natural description. And in the name of Jesus Christ, she was released from what had been influencing her. I want you to see this man, as I move through these notes today, this man was what the Bible calls demonized. Everybody say demonized. Now, there are two just shades of meaning with this. The word demonized, it can be influence over or it can be complete control from the inside out. One is oppression. An attack is coming against you as a believer. Or it can be complete possession. Now, I just want to set your mind at ease this morning. If Jesus Christ is in your heart, there is no possible way you can be possessed by a demon because darkness has no fellowship with light. Scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that there is no concord, literally, with the sons of unrighteousness. The Scripture calls it the sons of Belial. There is no, there is no agreement between light and darkness. Middle of the night, you come in this room, you turn on a light, the darkness flees. Darkness and light can't abide together. If Jesus Christ is in your heart, you are His. You are possessed by Him. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. This man, go ahead and put your hands together. Come on. This man was demonized. He was under the complete control of these evil, unclean spirits. Nobody could tame him, the message said. He couldn't be restrained. He couldn't be bound he would break the chains. He would pop the ropes. He's naked. He's slashing himself. He's cutting himself. All of this are, these are, these are representations of things that speak of death and darkness. And, 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 I, and I have to question if there's something that moves me or you or pulls us into any of those kinds of things, uh, a, a death, depression then you know that's not of God. You were not made for that. You were not born for that. You were made to live above that, to be set free and have freedom over that and to be delivered from all of that. While people questioned the identity of Jesus, the demons that inhabited this man, the notes say this mean, it should be this man. That's what happens when you hit spell check. It's, the word is right. It's spelled right, but it should be man, this man. While people questioned the identity of Jesus, the demons that inhabited this man knew and recognized Jesus and who he was. There was no question. As soon as the demonized man saw Jesus from afar off, he got up and he ran and he fell down before Jesus and he worshipped him and he begged Jesus. He said, you're the son of the most high God. 
There was no question uh, among the, the evil forces regarding who Jesus was. Men are challenging the identity of Jesus. Pharisees are questioning whether he is who he says he is. But demons had no question about it. They knew specifically who he was. They could see it. They could smell it. They could be dimension in every aspect. They knew who this Jesus was and they knew their days were numbered. They were doomed because they knew that he not only had the authority, but he had the power to vanquish them. Authority and power sometimes are confused in our culture. Authority is the badge on our officer friend sitting here this morning. He has the ability to stand in the middle of the road out here and because of the authority invested in him by the city of West Memphis and the state of Arkansas, he can hold up his hand. He has the authority to stop the traffic. Now a car can plow right on through him. Our brother is human. Jesus not only has the authority, but he had the power, the strength, the ability to stop. Now our brother is not completely... Uh, he, he, he is not limited in every kind of regard because he's packing some heat here on the side, and that's his power. So when he holds his hand up and there's not the likelihood of stopping, he does this, cocks it back. That's his power. Do you see the difference between authority and power? Jesus has both. Some have one or the other, but both rest and reside in Jesus. He is imbued... He is invested with the authority of God who is delegated to him because of who he is. His identity determines his authority. And his relationship with the Father determines his power. He's connected. He is in tune. He can speak the word. Nature has to obey him. Are you getting anything out of this? The evil presence identified as legion, many, a mob. Jesus said, what's your name? And if you'll notice, every time you see a demonized person set free, typically they will cause or call for the name of that entity to identify. And then Jesus or Paul the Apostle or Peter the Apostle will say, come out, I adjure you by the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, what happens is the, the, the demons immediately begged and they said, you know what? We know you have the authority, but don't cast us out of this area. And I think that's very interesting. Because I think demons are assigned to a geographical region. I, I think that's the reason that when you are able to leave town and you go somewhere else, completely another place, I, I don't think that you're known in that region. I, I think that when, when I leave town and I go on a conference and I head to Atlanta, there is, there is this uh, almost kind of as soon as I get out of town, it's like something lifts off of me. And it's like... Wow, I'm excited, I'm open, there's, there's like an open heaven, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking God, I'm, I'm looking for the strength of the Lord to be made manifest. It, it may be a conference in Atlanta, it could be a cabin weekend up in Hebrew Springs, it's just getting out of town. I think that explains why Jesus left a community and went out into a solitary place to pray. Because what you don't realize is that there is a whole entourage of knowing ones that are all around you, that are very familiar with your flavor, that what tempts you. With what, with what draws you, with what lures you, with what pushes your buttons, with what aggravates you. And I think that, that this is the reason that many times that when we're able to leave a region and that we're able to go for a purpose of seeking the Lord, maybe in a conference or maybe just a weekend of rest or a time with your spouse or, or, or something like that, or maybe just getting out of town and you know, getting in the Bible for a day or something. It's amazing how sometimes things become so clear. And I really believe we have a spiritual warfare, a battle that's going on all the time. 
Does anybody, do you, do you relate to this or do you think I'm nuts? Some of you are not sure, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I really truly believe that the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness and high places. The people you're having trouble with at work, really, they're not the enemy. It's the person, the entity, the evil, the personal evil that is motivating them to do what they're doing. That's the reason you can get in your prayer closet and love your enemies in spite of what they do and pray for them and see God bring change. Are you hearing me? The evil presence identified as legion, the demons begged. Swine, literally, in the Hebrew culture, were considered to be a garbage animal. They were called unclean by the ceremonial law. Faithful Jews were not allowed to eat pork because swine literally were the sort of the, the, the dump. That's where everything was thrown at them. They ate the trash, the garbage, everything from the scraps off the table to the slop jar, which I don't want to offend anybody, but it was human excrement. It was everything. The, the, the pigs ate all of that awfulness, just nasty, vile filth. Swine were considered to be literally the garbage animal in Hebrew culture. And now listen, what happens was when Jesus said, okay, leave the man, and they went into the swine, the scripture tells us that there were about 2,000. There was, there was, I mean, you're talking about a serious pig farm. Now, they're, they're just out grazing. Now, I can't even imagine that. Everywhere I've ever been and I've seen a pig farm, thank the good Lord above, it's been fenced in and they don't, they're not out just roaming and rooting around on the hillside the way they were in this account. Any of you ever driven by a pig farm before? Do you, do you remember that absolutely indescribable you know, feeling that you had just from the scent, the smell? Can you imagine what 2,000 pigs smelled like out there on the hill? And they're within the region of the cemetery where the crazy madman is. So it's, it, there's this aroma of death that is all over the place. There are tombstones. There's a man who's bloody and naked and cutting himself. And he's screaming and he's crying out. And Jesus immediately gets off of a boat having just been in a storm. And he has to confront the demonic. Jesus who has power over nature also has power over the whole spirit world. I want to tell you this morning, what I'm saying is not to make you afraid because if you're a blood-bought Christian, the one who conquered those 2,000 demons is living and alive on the inside of you. Are you hearing me? There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper because you are marked with the mark of God. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. There were at least 2,000 demons in the man because 2,000 swine rushed down the side of the hill, jumped into the sea and drowned. And you know what? I love this. Look at the notes there. Evidently, there are some things that are so vile that even pigs won't live with it. There, are, there is the presence of evil that is so real and so vile that once every one of those demons entered one of those pigs, they just immediately, like the madman, it seemed to be even worse for them than it was him because he was still alive. But they were crazed and they ran down the hillside into the sea, <coughs> jumped in and drowned. Now the man is free. But you got some pig farmers out there that all of a sudden have lost the whole herd. They've lost their garbage company. The local dump now is gone. And this is what happens. This is bad news for the pig business. Now let me just stop right here and chase a little rabbit real quickly because I'm getting to the end. Not going to be much longer. 
Why is it then, if it was improper for Jews to eat pork, then that we can today? Well, first of all, the, the way that swine are raised today are entirely different than they were then. And in a very, very different, much cleaner kind of environment, they're fed grain. The stuff that the pigs were eating then, don't, they don't eat today. And Jesus Christ basically fulfilled every bit of the law and set aside everything that was the ceremonial part of the law. It's not sinful for me to wear a suit that has a blend of wool and cotton or a synthetic fiber. That's in the law. It's in the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law had something to do with every one of the sacrifices that were chosen appropriately for the sin that was to be covered. All that's been done away with because Jesus Christ is the one and final sacrifice for the sins of the world. Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So we don't slit a bull's throat... We don't wring a dove's neck and, and, and leak the blood out. We don't do any of those things any longer offering sacrifices that are temporal because we have an eternal sacrifice in Jesus Christ. All the foods, all of those different things, you can't eat catfish, you can't eat lobster, these different kinds of things that the Old Covenant said that were not proper. Now the Bible tells us in the New Testament, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. But now let me back up and run back to the other side. I think that though it's not a sin for you to eat those things, I think probably that it would be best for every one of us to at least step back and hold all of those things in moderation because I believe when you eat according to the Scripture, literally there is a, there is a healthiness that, that, that come, becomes a part of your life. When you eat according to what the Scripture says, this is good, this is not good for you, it's amazing how now science 2,000 years later and nutrition is confirming, you know what, there's something in this that's good for you, there's something in that that too much of that is not good for you. So though it's no longer a sin and we don't break fellowship with God because I eat a pork chop, I just want you to know it's probably pretty good not to be consumed with a whole lot of that kind of thing that they were forbidden to eat in the Old Testament. You hear where I'm coming from? Okay. All right. People are truly interested in real transformation. The town showed up because the guy was dressed in clothes. He'd been bloody. Can you imagine? I mean, they took him in for an extreme makeover. Uh, the, the, the guy. Next time all the people see him... He's, he's got his hair cut, it's combed in place, you know, his, his, his beard is not unkempt anymore, he may have shaved, he's got on clothes, and the scripture says he was in his right mind, he was making sense. Now I want you to look at this as I close this message this morning, because this is what is so amazing to me, and it speaks of what religion does. Religion will let you sit down in a place of the status quo for so long and just accept things as they are. But when the real light of the kingdom of God comes and it stirs up things and changes things, people get fearful and they go, Jesus, we're scared. Get out of here. We, we, can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine these people of this local town that are more concerned about some pigs that have drowned than a crazy madman who's been that way for years and everybody knows, be sure don't go anywhere near the cemetery because crazy Mike is out there. Can, can, you, can you think about that with me? And yet the legend of this crazy madman all of a sudden dramatically changes because Jesus meets this guy and he yanks all this darkness out of him and he's set free and he's got a smile on his face and his eyes are clear and he's not talking gibberish and craziness. He's not got 
anger and, and, and murder in his eyes. He's not slashing himself and cutting himself and bleeding with stones. He's not screeching and crying out in pain and terror. Jesus has come and set him free. But all the religious folks of the area basically said, you know, we, just, we, just, we, we can't take this. Jesus, depart from us. Get out of here. And as Jesus was getting on the boat, this is what I want you to see as I close this message this morning. People show up. They're really interested in real transformation. I believe this is what God is doing in victory right now. When your life starts to show the change of just being in the presence of Jesus, it's amazing what God can do with your testimony. It's amazing what God can do when you're willing to open your mouth. Look at this. Jesus will set you free and give you spirit-led self-control. The kingdom of God is about exercising self-government. It's not about me as the pastor putting my thumb on you and lording over anybody else's life. It's about teaching you how to be led, by, be filled with the Spirit of God and be led by God and learn to walk in self-government, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace in a package of figs. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Gent, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the Bible says, against such there is no law. So when I'm being led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is literally controlling my life, not in the sense of ordering every step, but it's informing me so that I'm walking in godly self-control. Jesus will set you free so you can walk in Spirit-led self-control. Somebody say amen. amen. This man experiences it. And this is what happens. True spiritual power produces a godly fear. The town responds and says, we don't know anything about this. You scare us. We're not ready for this. I'm convinced that we desperately need to do our part to open our hearts with a smile on our face, not be goofy, not be weird, but to talk about the very real power of God, but demonstrate it through a life of love, the life of patience with the people that are around us. Because sometimes God will show up and show out in your life and it can scare some folks if they've never been used to that. Sometimes they would much rather let you continue to be in the old status quo dude that you were because you're manageable. It's comfortable for them. They've come to expect you to act that certain kind of way. And it's crazy sometimes when God starts to step into a man's life or a woman's heart and set them free. Sometimes even how their own family reacts. You start getting set free from addiction, set free from demonic oppression, and it scares folks. Freedom produces a motivation to serve Jesus. I want to say this, a couple things that I'm finished this morning. When, when Jesus Christ really does a work of delivering a man or a woman and setting them free, they immediately want to do what this guy does. Jesus, let me go with you. I want to work for you. I want to, I, I, I want, I want to see that other people are able to experience and grab hold of what you've done in my life. And I just want to say this to you today. If Jesus Christ has really touched your heart and changed you, transformed you, there is a very natural motivation to say, I'm ready to serve. I want one of those serve shirts. Plug me in somewhere. Give me a team. Let me function with a group. 
the, the, you know, and, and let me just say this to you. If, if you've get, been through a hard season and you've had your serve shirt off for a little while, let me tell you, we're coming after you. This is not a regular church where we just hope that people serve. This is a spiritual team. We expect you. Jesus is Lord of your life. We expect you to be actively participating and for this very spirit right here to be demonstrated in your life. Jesus, put me in, coach. Come on. I want to help. I want to serve. And this guy is just, just clawing at him. Let me help. And Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. Go back to your own town. Go to your own family and say, look what the Lord has done. What are we saying? You know what? Nobody has the, the ability to tell your story like you can. Nobody can say, look what God has done. This is my test that Jesus changed into a testimony. My life has touched me. He has set me free. This morning, freedom produces a motivation to serve Jesus. Are you serving? Are you hungry to help? Are you ready to contribute to a team? And guess what? Man, I go through it. You go through it. We all experience seasons when it's just... It's just, you have to just make up your mind. You don't feel, it's, it's, like, it's like being in love with your wife. You know, let, let's just all be honest. There, there are seasons where you make up your mind to love out of a decision. And then when you start to act out of that decision, the feelings follow. But if you're waiting for the feelings, then guess what? You're going to be looking around waiting and the train ain't ever going to show up. But the feelings are the caboose, the decision, the covenantal decision to walk in love. That's the engine of the train. It'll pull through your station and it'll bring a whole boatload, a train load, a, a caboose of the feelings of love with it if you'll act out of the decision. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I'd just rather go somewhere else, do something else than show up and do. It's amazing sometimes how when folks start to think they're getting burnt out, how they don't look at the harried, hurried schedules of their lives 50, 60, 70 hours a week, but they start thinking, well, I need, to, I need to go ahead and renege on that one hour a week commitment at the church. And that one hour a week is not the time that's making your life in the shape it's in. Come on, I'm helping somebody this morning. This is not about legalism. Everybody needs a season and needs a break. If you're on a break, then you dig in and you draw close to Jesus. You get your head in the book. You pray. Don't lay out a church. Worship. Participate. Do everything you can to stay connected and don't forfeit a time where there can be some refreshing that will come into your life. But don't stay out of that forever. Come on, get back in, get plugged in. No family member can forever say, hey, listen, I've got a pass for the rest of the year. You're a team. Somebody's got to cut the grass. Somebody's got to wash the clothes. Somebody's got to fold them and put them away. Somebody's got to cook some meals. If you're going to be a family, you're a team. This is a spiritual family. God's touched your heart. If you've been touched by the mercy king, rise and sing. Rise and sing. That's what we're saying this morning. If God has set you free, if you were bound but now you're free, rise and sing. Rise, rise and sing doesn't mean everybody's going to be on the platform. Rise and sing means Jesus has touched my life. I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to get in behind Pastor Haley and help her in children's ministry. I'm going to serve under Pastor Jeremy with the youth. I'm going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to greet people with the real joy of the Lord as soon as they walk in that door on Sunday morning. And they're not going to have to call and see if I'm going to be there next Sunday when I've committed that I would show up. Y'all still love me this morning? Yeah. It's the truth whether you do or not. <laughs> Freedom produces a motivation to serve Jesus. You're called to tell your story that nobody else can tell. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise His name.
Look what the Lord has done. Bow your hearts with me, please, this morning for a word of prayer. Jesus, I thank you for this day. Thank you that you have power over nature. Thank you that you have power over the supernatural, over demons, over principalities and powers, over forces of darkness, over every evil thing. I ask you, Lord, that if there's a person in this room today under the sound of my voice that doesn't have the confidence, the assurance that they are bought by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, thank you that that question can be settled before they leave this room today. I ask you, Father, that you move by the power of your Holy Spirit. You do the work of drawing. There's no word I can speak. There's no formula I can share. There's no special prayer that can be prayed apart from the active presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. Do your thing in these hearts today. Now, Father, as we trust you to do that, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we just ask you, is there anyone in the room that is saying right now, Pastor, I want to leave with confidence today that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, that he's in my heart. Anybody in this room? And I pray for you. Father, thank you for these people in this room today. Lord, if there is anyone right now that is in a place where they feel like they've just left one storm and they're encountering a madman, God, give us grace and strength. Lord, if there's a situation that we feel like is bigger than we are and we don't have the wisdom to handle it, thank you that you will speak and you'll bring peace to the confusion, to the craziness. Lord, thank you that there's no problem so big. There's no addiction so deep. There's no person so far gone. This man was crazy and unrestrainable and demonized to the complete loss of any control whatsoever. And you saved him and you clothed him and you put him in his right mind. Give hope, Lord, today to every person in this room, whatever they're struggling with. Thank you for the confidence that if Jesus is the Lord of their lives, there's no possible way they can be possessed by a demon or a devil. But Lord, we know that there is very real spiritual warfare, oppression, an attack that comes from the outside. Strengthen my brothers and sisters. If that's you this morning, you feel like you're under attack, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless my brothers and sisters. Strengthen them today. Jesus Christ, you hung on the cross and you vanquished every foe. You took the sins of the world. You buried them in baptism. You buried them, Lord, in the death, into the grave. You took it and buried it, and you got up on the third day a new life. Thank you, Jesus, having conquered every sin, every sickness, every supernatural evil. Thank you, Lord, that you sit enthroned in the heavens. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, made a fresh start today we want to put a gift in your hand there's a table at the back we want to give you a new living translation of the bible it's a great place to start in your walk with the lord if you're a guest remember we have a special gift we want to put in your hand uh, 